Welcome back to Lost in Rosha, the ultimate journey through the Stormlight Archive. I'm Christian. And I'm Hemi. Today we are diving into span reads that you've said. You like that? <laughs> Did yeah. you like that? Uh, sure. Keeping it fresh. <laughs> but today we are in, it's going to be a little bit of a looser episode, guys. We're, we're going to be reading your span reads and we're going to be reading your theories and just some general comments. Uh, and we will be having full spoilers for the Stormlight Archive. We might talk about some other Cosmere works, but we're going to try to keep that relatively spoiler free. Uh, so if you haven't caught up on Stormlight, we would recommend that you come back at a later date. For everyone else, welcome back to lost in roshar christian i feel like i've asked you this already how, how are you doing <laughs> oh i'm getting a sense of deja vu mate i'm good it's um the morning in australia wow really lots of deja vu guys we have to restart the recording yeah. so this banter absolutely fabricated but we're gonna go <laughs> we're gonna go with it no it's the morning which is nice it's a nice change from uh, my midnight um stormlight sessions so mm-hmm. it's good. I feel fresh. I've had my coffee. I'm excited to go tinfoil mode. I want to get weird with the theories. I want to hear what the listeners have to say. The response has been overwhelming, man. How have you been uh, perusing through the email? Oh, man. Uh, so we made a little shout out saying, you know, thanks for so many. We underestimated you, but still you can send in more. And then people were like, OK, bet. And they <laughs> hit it. And uh, the inbox is overflowing. So, yeah. Uh, one awesome. We love it. Continue to send stuff at lost gmail.com. We really do love it. Um, we will not get through every email we received today, but we will try to get through as many as possible. And what we will probably do is have other episodes randomly sprinkled in, um, you know, to, to cover some of these span reads, but also maybe sprinkle them into our normal episodes as well. So, you know, next episode, when we actually end up going into the interludes before part three, maybe we'll throw in if we have some time, uh, a couple of these, especially if they actually coincide with what we're about to read. I think that's a great idea. So, mm-hmm. We're figuring it out as we go. We're, we're, we're shooting from the hip on this yeah. episode a little bit here, and we hope that you'll have patience with us. But I'm excited. I, were you shocked at how many emails we had? Because I yeah, I was totally shocked. Yeah. Um, like I keep saying, I'm always surprised when people listen to this thing. Or like I see the number, and I'm like, that's a, that's an okay number. Um, yeah. But just just like a, a few handful of emails will make such a bigger impact than like a few thousand views on YouTube. You know, mm-hmm. seeing what people have to say and being like, oh, I listen to this in my car. I listen to this on my way to work or on my walks. It's like, oh, wow, this this is cool what we're doing here. It's oh, nice. Definitely. Yeah. And, and it puts, uh, you know, there's people behind those views. Right. And then those people yeah. end up connecting. And that's what that's what honestly makes it uh, special. So also, let's be honest, Christian, there's some people listening to this right now that are a lot smarter than us. <laughs> Everything that's in the cosmos. Jimmy, come on. <laughs> At least I me. doubt that's at true. I think we're at the top of the food chain here, mate. Um, I read some just, of these emails. I imagine us at the top of mountain and uh, everyone else <laughs> is just listening as we preach our gospel. You know, that's how I picture this. <laughs> our, our book of Sanderson. Yes. Um, yes. I uh, I don't know, man. I opened up some of these emails and I couldn't read some of them. <laughs> I was like, what are these words that are capitalized? It's too many capital letters. I'm blinded. <laughs> oh, Oh, man, it can get weird. like that sometimes like like um like we spoke about secret project four came out and mm-hmm. i've started reading it guys oh my god if you're a stormlight fan get this book but at first i was taken aback by i was blinded by the capital letters and i started to get a little scared i'm like how many capital letters are we going to do man because at some point you get a little overwhelmed but i've settled into it and i'm okay um how do you feel about this aspect of the cosmic as we get more like methodical and more like quantifiable i guess the magic becomes a bit more like 
mathematical? Does it yeah. lose something with that for you? I don't necessarily know if it loses something, but if it does become something different. And I even think in one of our span reads, someone talked about how they used to play spot hoid and it used to be really difficult. And now it's very <laughs> easy to spot hoid because sometimes yeah. he's the one telling the story. And I do think some of that loses its magic for me. Like I like things that kind of fly underneath the radar, but we're entering in, you know, I think Sanderson said, quote, like he's taking the gloves off when it comes to the Cosmere because like it's time to kick things up a notch. Mm-hmm. And I think doing this show enables me to appreciate it more than I would have if I was just reading it like I read all my other fantasy books, which is, you know, as it comes out or or whenever I can get to it. Uh, I think that definitely helps out having you and the listeners and the commenters and the emailers, everyone uh, around. You feel like you're part of something like we're all trying to figure this thing out. So it's a bit of a puzzle. Um, Having concrete answers is a good thing. Sometimes I like things to be a little bit more ambiguous. Um. I think my biggest issue is that I didn't back the Kickstarter. So I am sitting here wondering (laughs) all what's going into secret project four and what has your eyes lighting up like fireworks when you were like, have you read it? And I'm like, I didn't didn't get a chance to do that. Uh, So I need to get my hands on it. I I know it'll be out for the general public. Eventually Uh, I got Yumi for instance, like off dragon steel. I got the nice edition after the fact. So I'm hoping they have some extra copies uh, and I'll probably get the audiobook because the audiobook is actually done by, um, a different narrator than well, usual. Do you know who do you know who it is or I can't it- remember, but it's an actor if I'm not mistaken. And I heard Henry Cavill was supposed to do Yumi or Frugal Wizard or something, but his Wait, seriously? I'm being dead serious. No, I heard and maybe someone's memeing. I might be just getting trolled. But someone had said that Henry Cavill was supposed to do one of the audiobooks, but it, his schedule didn't work out. So he wanted to have like guest narrators for each secret. Oh. Audience. Is that because he was filming as Vin? In the Mistborn adaptation, <laughs> <laughs> Henry was tied up. He's like on the phone in his little bob cut wig, and he's he his actually had mercury poisoning from uh, just <laughs> eating mercury. He's like, just one of the metals. Like, they're like, no, Henry, stop eating that. Why are you eating so much tuna? <laughs> I did hear that 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 was going to be like celeb sort of um, narrators. That's cool. Yeah, so um, the, I, I honestly can't remember who this secret project Four narrator is but he's uh famous people love him uh, I'm, oh I'm nice sure. if he's famous people gotta love him right isn't that how that works <laughs> pretty sure yeah um, so i'll probably get yeah, the audiobook when it comes out nice it is um it's a roller coaster and i've got the ebook right so the thing about ebooks is control f that's a thing and you know how <laughs> hard it was for me not to be like control f rosha <laughs> like the second I opened this book, um, I've resisted. Um, but let's just say you don't really need control F when it comes to this book. It is very like Rosha adjacent. Let's just put it that way. Um, uh, see, and it's very exciting. I, I think I'll have Yumi finished by the time I can get my hands on Secret Project 4. But like the biggest thing for me is like if I get that before I finish Yumi, I'm probably going to put Yumi on hold to read Secret Project 4 because I think I care more about the implications of the the bigger Cosmere stuff with secret project four. So we'll see. Yumi might be on the chopping block. Yeah. If it makes you feel better, dude, I I straight up dropped Yumi into a, into a ditch. I was like, get out of my way. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, dude, I'm all about Rosha. Okay. Get your pebbles (laughs) out of here. I want the rocks. (laughs) Give me the rocks. (laughs) I will get back to Yumi eventually. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a fine book. Uh, it's just one of those things where if something's up front <laughs> with its Rosharian influence, I'm I'm gonna be there for yeah. it. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
a quick update, I guess, from Sanderson. Obviously, Secret Project 4 is out, uh, which, mm-hmm. which we're talking about. But also, it says uh, that he is 78% done, which is 3% more than the last time I told you with Stormlight 5. Which, <laughs> what does that really mean? I don't know. Probably like uh, 50,000 words or something, judging by the size increases of these books. I suppose so. (laughs) You know, it's not that much, but it's look, is that the first draft? Is that what he's, is that what 100 is? The draft? Okay. I believe so. Yeah. 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 So uh, there's that. And then there's like a bazillion merchandise boxes you can go buy on Dragonsteel, apparently. I don't know. He was announcing so many things. I was like, I don't know what these are, (laughs) but I know I probably want them. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I'm trying not to spend a bunch of money right now, so I just kind of zoned out. So go check out Dragonsteel to buy more stuff. Like, yeah, I mean, uh, the Cosmere is just going to be like a money printing factory. Can yeah. you imagine once these adaptations come out, it's game over? If they're already doing this much with just books, oh, oh my gosh! When do we get the Stormlight Funko Pops? Right, we've got Kelsey and Fortnite. I can't get a Kaladin Funko Pop. They What's have a going fun- on? I think I have a Funko Pop. Like everybody's got a Funko Pop. Why can't we get a little? I'm you not know. into Funko Pops, dude. I'm not. I either. see the Funko Pops. I'm like, nah. the only ones I, mean, I like I'm, are yeah. the author ones. I have a George R. R. Martin one and a Stephen King one. Oh, that's and, funny. And that's because no one else is ever going to make a George R. R. Martin action figure. So I was like, this is perfect. <laughs> yeah, I could get behind a George Funko Pop. Oh, it's incredible. But I don't know what it is about them that I'm just like, I don't. I just they give, they give me those like McDonald's Happy Meal kind of vibes. Dang, coming you know? for the throat. You know, at least I'm one sorry, of our I offended like half the listeners. Yeah, and at least one of our listeners is sitting next to a wall <laughs> of uh, Funko Pops and just took their hand and just swiped to the middle. They all came down. Yeah, like, oh. <laughs> yeah I don't know. I, this is coming from the guy who backed the um, Stormlight figures Kickstarter in like 0.5 seconds. So yeah, <laughs> I'm not on a high horse. Throw in stones from a glass house, possibly. Yeah, yeah. I'm just you know, it's just like nerds fighting other nerds at this point. We're all on the same team, guys. But, yeah, so, nerds have kind of along. taken over, right? It's just about which nerd you're in. Yeah, true. Yeah, like Star Wars fans hate other Star Wars fans, and then Star Trek people come around and they band together. You know, good old fashioned tribalism. Mm, you know, yeah. I love to see it. You know, what's going to happen? Um, it's fantasy Cosmere versus sci-fi Cosmere fans. That's what's going to happen. Ooh. I'm going to be like, dude, remember Warbreaker? They're like, no, remember like X Seven Two Thousand, the latest Cosmere novella by Dan um, Wells. Yeah, yeah, it's like we will be the OGs, man. What if Dan Wells starts writing a bunch of like Cosmere novels and people like them more than Brandon's? Oh, I don't. <laughs> That's uh, the, the everything collapses at that point. Yeah, is it, could there all, become a schism? Or maybe maybe there's like a, a, a author battle. It's like who Ooh. can write the best novel? Well, you could look at it this way: you could make one one. You know, Brandon is the Old Testament. And then Dan Wells in the New Testament. <laughs> uh, imagine what would uh, what author do you want to write a Cosmere book the most? Who do you um, want to take it on. All right, uh, this is just from the hip. China yeah. Mievel. China Mievel writes in the weird fiction genre and has written fantasy books and and many other things. And he is just so weird with his world building i actually think that his bass lag series while might not be the most accessible to everyone because of the way it's written the world of bass lag is one of the coolest and most underrated fantasy worlds of all time 
There are swords that can cut through reality. Uh, there are bug people. Uh, there are uh, perpetual motion trains going around. Whoa. I mean, there is some really heady stuff in the Bass Lag series. And I think if you took him and China Mievel's writing, in my opinion, is like top notch, like the mm -hmm. best. And if he were to write like a Stormlight tie-in novel, I'd lose my mind. <laughs> yeah, man. The world building is the strongest aspect of the mm -hmm. Cosmere and Sanderson. Like, say what you will about these standalones, how we're sometimes lukewarm on uh, on some of the writing and um, the pacing and stuff. The worlds are always interesting. Yeah, the his imagination is, is very inspiring, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I find his, I the way that he's able to not just, like, figure out his way through the Cosmere, like, I don't know how yeah. he keeps it straight, but just even the way that he's able to connect, you know, the uh, character arcs with the world and the magic system, like, it always feels like a cohesive package, and mm -hmm. very rarely do I think, like, a lot of stuff feels out of place in Sanderson books, so even whenever I'm not high on them, like, Alloy of Mid, uh, it still feels, <laughs> it's a Brandon Sanderson product. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it yeah. feels like it is. So, you know, if he's your favorite author, you got to be eating good right now. I couldn't imagine. Yeah. It'd be amazing. Uh, sorry, I, I tuned out once you said Alloy, alloy of Mid. <laughs> yes. Oh, the only person with a Sanderson podcast who can just say Alloy of Mid and no one will be <laughs> upset with you. Listen, it is what it is. I'm already is on my way out. I already got my pink slip in the mail. It's over. Hey, hey I saw an email that said, Keep Jimmy in all capitals. And I took it to heart. Um, the the closest I felt to like Cosmere level world building is One Piece. I'm gonna, gonna oh. be that guy where oh, every island is. <laughs> you don't want to start this, Christian. But I dude, every off. island is so unique and so well thought out, and it all connects. It's like it's a Cosmere unto itself. One like. Piece has the best world building of all time, probably. Oh. <laughs> but this isn't a One Piece podcast. No, no, no. We alas, we digress. I just but, finished post Annie's. Oh, we'll talk. We'll talk later. Oh my mate. god, I we'll lost talk my later. mind. It's insane, <laughs> it's um, ins guys. If you if you love Stormlight and the Cosmere, read One Piece. You will be you will forever be grateful. It is so it's, good. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. And same 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 sort of like adventurous energy. If you're liking this kind of yeah. like tongue in cheek Sando, especially that we're getting lately with Yumi and um, the the new projects, is a bit more of a cheeky voice. Then you're gonna love One Piece. And if you're a love fan it. of Dragon Ball, like I was, and Dragon Ball Z and GT, even though it's terrible, and Super and all that other stuff, like I feel like One Piece is like the natural progression of that of mm. Shonen. Mm -hmm. It just, and, and this is coming from someone that Dragon Ball Z is the most formative media in my life. Yeah, I think One Piece is just a better version of it, like much better and and bigger. Yeah. But yeah. I could turn this into a One Piece podcast. Yeah, right now. <laughs> yeah me too. So, all right, let's um bust open some span reads, mate. My gemstone's glowing. I've lined up the the thingy, um, <laughs> whatever the technology is, and I'm I'm ready. Oh, dude, nothing nothing gets me more fired up than a good stormlight theory. Well, we got a couple of them here. Uh, some of these are extremely long, so if I'm doing, you know, we might break them up uh, and talk yeah, about them sure. as I read through them because. Uh, you know, dyslexia and all that good stuff. So I, I, <laughs> yeah. I have my good days and bad days, but we're going to start out with Alec who sent us an email. Um, uh, actually a couple of weeks back. It's one of the first ones of this bunch. Uh, and Alec says, Hey guys, absolutely love the podcast. So first and foremost, I'd like to thank both of you for doing it. You both putting this together is a team up. I didn't know I was waiting for, and I'm always excited for each new episode. Well, Alec, uh, me and Christian have been really good friends for years. And we knew we wanted to do something together. And this podcast made the most sense. 
honestly. It, this was yeah. it. We've been waiting. We were waiting for something to make sense for us. And the, this kind of just jumped into our minds, I guess. Yeah. The second I accepted the podcasting idea, I was so sort of lukewarm on it because I was such a visual guy uh, with my, that was kind of my brand. Like, oh, watch his videos because they look really good. Um, so podcasting felt like a really bad move, but I'm glad <laughs> we ended up here. It's I think all working out. I think it works very, very well. Plus we get to talk yeah. weekly, which is nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so continuing on, Alex says, I had some thoughts I wanted to share. Some are unrelated to Roshar, like the fact that I'm mad at Christian for reminding me about the worm scene from the King Kong movie. <laughs> I now remember that haunted me for years. <laughs> Others are actually kind of cool. So th- this is uh, his some thoughts on the Pure Lake. Uh, and he says the Pure Lake is a very unique is very unique in its location where people in the physical realm and spread in the cognitive realm are consistently overlapping in the same spot. There's water, meaning there's land and shades more, and it's shallow enough for someone in Roshar to walk in. I think that I think that kind of close alignment is the reason that there's so much wacky stuff in the Pure Lake. And I definitely think it's going to be super important later. I would very much agree. Uh, yeah. with that and then al goes on just to talk about the safe hands a little bit and actually ends up relating them to the from soft game bloodborne and i had to read this because i i love from soft games very much uh, but he says in bloodborne you notice that many of the hunters pants have a belt around the right leg it's kind of a banal little tidbit simply adding to the fashion that only makes sense when you realize that they believed that in the beast blood crept up the right leg I thought the concept was really cool because it recontextualizes the fashion in the game being more functional than you realized. Uh, so is it possible that the safe hand is some historical significance? I think we've been thinking about that for a while. Yeah, it, it, didn't I talk? I feel like I clarified that a few episodes back unless it was off air. But um, yeah, it pretty much is pretty much. Yeah, we talked about it, how like um, to the feminine arts, they're one handed sort of thing. So they... Um, they covered up their other hand. Sanderson talked about it in a writing lecture. Yeah. Um, but that's cool that it's in Bloodborne as well. That's the good thing about FromSoft games. You can read a lot through the item descriptions and stuff and learn about the world. Yeah, a lot of people complain about lack of narrative in those games, but there's so much narrative. It's just it like the game. You have to work for it. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, yeah. it's not spoon-fed in any way, shape, or form. But, Alec, uh, we appreciate the comments and uh, giving us some stuff to think about. And, uh, we yeah, we appreciate you sending in the span read, my friend. Thank you. Yes. The next one is from Frazier. Uh, it says, hi, Christian and Jimmy. Loving the podcast. They prompted me to reread Stormlight, but I couldn't slow myself uh, to a read along. So I've already finished. the way it's been. <laughs> <Yeah>. You were <laughs> the 80th person to say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has dusted us, but he has a question. He says, your early episodes picked up on the different blood colors that are apparent in Roshar. My initial thought was that Sanderson may try to link the color of blood to inherent metals from their powers to be associated with those metals. Human blood being red because of the iron content. However, that doesn't seem to follow with the uh, alimantic uh, furochemical hemallergical powers for iron. I hope I said that right. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> also for Kremlings, if the color was linked to the metal, then you'd have expected their blood to be orange or green to indicate an association with copper. But there's only one obscure reaction with chlorine, which turns copper purple. So it's a dead end. I did wonder if there was something in the color of invest- investure vestiger i always struggle with that word mm-hmm. uh, human red representing corrupted investiger and uh, none of the other c- colors seem to line up so my question is really whether the blood colors are all significant other than just a method of differentiating between the branches of races are there any good fan theories on blood color and if not could jimmy just make something up 
<laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, we might need you, Jimmy, because I typically, as cool as that is, I'm. it's cool that, Fraser, you went to like all the avenues to figure out um, if the metals do connect to the blood color on Rosha or, or other worlds. That would be cool because he is connecting. The metals seem to almost be like one of the constants in the Cosmere that, or at least the magic magical property that is um, propagated the most throughout the, the Cosmere. So it makes sense to look into it. But in this case with blood color, I think it's just blood color like to, to differentiate between races. Um, I don't, but it is also the Cosmere and it's also Sanderson. So whilst that's what I think, it doesn't mean I'm, I'm right. I, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if there was more to it. I just don't think it's necessarily to do with metals. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm thinking maybe it isn't something to do with metals, but maybe something bigger, maybe around shards, possibly. Uh, I think that that is likely. Uh, just a quick Google search says uh, that a couple relevant words of Brandon uh, that we Ooh. can have. Someone said, does each shard have a favorite or special number or color? And Brandon responded, I would say that there are inclinations, but it, it's not perhaps as specific as you were thinking. As well as another questioner said, ruin and preservation were often represented in the Mistborn trilogy in terms of black and white. Is this imagery limited to that series or do other shards also have an associated hue? So Sanderson goes on and says, essentially because of the dynamics that interplay between ruin and preservation, they choose to view themselves as black and white respectively. So that's why they're able to present that way. Also because of only two shards on Scadriel, and their natures were opposites. After the long period of time they spent on the same planet, they kind of polarized. If mm. similar things happened on another world in the Cosmere, similar coloring effect could happen. That's interesting because, as I understand it, cultivation is related to green and life light. Mm -hmm. um, honor is... I'm guessing sort of like a white-blue thing with his Stormlight connection and the Stormfather. And I think Odium is like um, reddish, goldish. Isn't it always red and gold he's described as? Um, yeah, it doesn't. Hmm. I'm seeing blue for devotion, red for dominion, black violet for like honor, odium or cultivation. Like it's like kind of a toss okay, up. Interesting because violet. Yeah, violet seems to be the significant color, right? That we keep seeing mm -hmm. in the blood, in the Kremlings. Um yeah, it's interesting. I, I would lean towards it being more of a shard thing than a metal thing. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. And uh, some people are even speculating that there's something about the rhythms oh. that might play into it, which might be why, uh, you know, I can't say because of Stormlight 5 spoilers and yeah. we're not doing that on this podcast, <laughs> but I'm thinking of certain things that I've heard about. Uh -huh. um, who knows? Yeah, color is important just generally um in the, in the cosmere read warbreaker if you don't believe me um but yeah i think uh, i think for now we'll just say probably a shard thing yes it, it seems it seems that way i i could also see here's a crazy theory they're actually all watercolors and hoyd is painting a picture and he is the narrator of the stormlight archive See, there we go. That's what the audience is. That doesn't even make any me. sense. Let's be honest. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> actually. But have it makes any... sense to you, Jimmy, and that's what matters. And that is We're all that matters. <laughs> to support you. <laughs> uh, so big shout out um, 
sorry, I need to pull up the name. Frazier, thank you so much for that span read. And I want to read this one from William. He has a suggestion and a theory. The suggestion is for Jimmy. Have you ever heard of graphic audio? I know that's when I started listening to Michael and Kate read the book. It was hard for me uh, when they switched narration and the character voices would change. Always seem to take me out of the immersion. If you were interested, I would be happy to spot you the first book to see if it's something that you would like. I think it would be up your alley. Well, I do appreciate that. I have heard of graphic audio, but I have not tried it yet. So maybe I will... Was, was that Kaladin flying over your home in a plane? <laughs> it was. So I just saw him zooming above. Um, <laughs> he's just trying to sell that graphic audio edition. He's just dropping off loot boxes from Dragon Steel, <laughs> like Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, man. Have, so, you le- have you listened to these graphic audio things? I have not, but I am kind of curious, uh, especially as, since we're doing a slow reread. Hmm. As cool as they are, it's like it's almost overstimulating for me really? at least the, the parts i've but the parts i listened to was like um dalinar uniting um all the realms and stuff so it was pretty e- extra um it was just a lot of sound effects um yeah. hmm. I mean, it's, and I, I, it's more like watching a it feels like you're watching a movie with the tv turned off that's what it feels like i'll tell you what i'll give it a shot on the yeah. next set, not the interludes, because I want to read those super duper closely, but the next mm-hmm. POV chapter I get, I will try it out. I would um, like to hear it for like a chill chapter. Yeah. Without, yeah. That would well, be interesting. We only have so many chill chapters left. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to exactly. be into it. So, but uh, also, William has a theory for Christian. Oh, cool, uh, cool. And, and this is mentioning something uh, about Yumi. So if you haven't read Yumi and the Nightmare Painter, I would suggest maybe not listening to this. I don't think it really spoils anything from the book, but I just see that name mentioned here. So I just want to be careful with people okay. who aren't trying to hear about Yumi. But uh, after reading Yumi and the Nightmare pa- Painter, I think I understand how heralds work. They are trapped on Brazy. I assume that's Bra- how it B R A Z I. The I is meant to be before the the Z. Oh, so okay, it's I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So they are trapped on braze and using their connection are able to transfer their consciousness to the shards of themselves that they have left on Roshar. As they cannot have children like normal people, it's likely they splinter themselves to create new shards that they are connected to and can swap into when they need to come back to Roshar. I think this would explain why Taln are. How, how do you say it? Taln. Sanderson says. Talon. Talon. Uh, for some reason, I say Talon just because it feels easier to say. I but, like Talon. It's easier yeah. to say. Yeah. yeah. All right. So his name is Talon now on Lost in yeah. America. Uh, Talon. <laughs> that would explain why Talon has a shard blade when he shows up for the first time as he manifested into the body of a shard bear who was an ancestor of one of his splinters. It would also explain why Shalon and her brothers are all magically afflicted as they are likely impacted by the same magic that corrupted and broke the heralds during the uh, Rick recreants just a cool theory i wanted to share i hope you like it thank you for all the amazing content and the podcast is great keep it up thank you william and i think this is not only a cool theory i don't know if it's all that far-fetched hmm well there's a lot of interesting things going on with the with the heralds i've been herald obsessed ever since i got (laughs) into these books i'm like the heralds i must understand (laughs) um there's a lot of weird things right i think they can uh, just to debunk one part, I think they actually can have children because basically my life's work is to prove that Shalan's mom is a herald. So I think they can have children, 
Um, and I don't, if, if you want to do some words of Brandon searching Jimmy, as we do this, I'm pretty sure that Sanderson has kind of alluded to that fact that they, that they can have children. Um, it might just be a bit funky. Checking now. <laughs> it is possible um, for Harold's to procreate and have children. There you go. Bam. Bam. Absolutely. More confirmation of that glorious theory about Schlan. Um, regardless, though, I don't. And there's, there is a funky thing of like, how do the heralds get their bold, their bodies back? That's that is the question, right? If they're going mm-hmm. to get tortured or whatever, is it like are they there? Is it there? Is it a sh- cognitive shadow? Like, how does the exact mechanics of it work? And it's weird as we get more into the cosmic, especially with these new secret projects, the the smoke and mirrors are starting to dissipate a little bit. Um, and we can probably get a better sense of what happens there. Um, interesting, like, well, he did say they can't have children like normal people, so I wonder if he just means it's different for them. Uh, regardless, they splinter themselves to create new shards that they are connected to and swap. It kind of it kind of reminds me of like what the fuse do. They're like, hey, let me borrow your body yes. real quick. Yes. Um, but it feel I think that the heralds have a very consistent image, like as we see them in the prelude or whatever, for example, nail, he's always looks the same with the crescent moon on his face. Like that's him. So hmm. I don't think he's getting a new body every time. Or like they're inhabiting unless they're like copying, like 3d printing themselves. But that I find that kind of unlikely. I think it's more just some weird, like, um, uh, longevity esque magic. Like you're tortured, but your, your body's kind of okay. Sort of thing. Maybe I'm more just trying in to think what it, psychological realm. Yeah, but then they, but then at the same time, like he thinks about the hooks digging into him and everything. Kalak in the in the prelude, right? He thinks of like very physical torture, but he also says. So I'm reading this again. I think this would explain why Talon has a shard blade when he shows up for the first time, as he manifested into the body of a shard bearer who was an ancestor of one of his splinters. I think it's not a, a shard blade. I, th- I think it's his own honor blade which is like tied to him because the heralds have their own, their own blades. So mm. whilst I think it's a cool nifty theory, even though I don't have the full breadth of like how they get back into their own bodies, I'm fairly certain they're not um, using or, or, or creating copies or whatever. I think it's a bit more simple. As cool so you're saying as I, I jumped the gun is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, saying- man, you just, you just got excited and I'm <laughs> here did. to crush all your dreams. That's what I'm here to do. <laughs> I, I remember like, yeah, I was like, I remember reading up on this. I don't have it all with me now, but when I was making videos on Herald's, like I remember Brandon kind of addressing this at some point and uh, kind of D D um, I don't know what the word is, but like debunk. Yeah. Debunking this a little. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, if it makes you feel any better on the Assault by Spire podcast, I do. I am the soul crusher. People are like, do you think Rhaegar's alive? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel bad. I'm always <laughs> like, no. Next. Um, but hey, I'm always happy to be proven wrong. And uh, this episode, it's like, we're just it's having fun here. I don't have all my uh, facts with me. I'm just here to chill and uh, talk some theories. Yeah, so if I don't know, good. I don't know. Yeah, we're just getting some of that sweet interaction. And I I mean, if anything, it does have us focusing on the question of like, how do the Heralds get back? I mean, that is a really big question mark. Yeah, like the whole cognitive shadow thing and death in the Cosmere seems quite um, elusive 
it's like what is permadeath in this world um kind of taking me back to one piece it's like is anyone really dead but it's like there is death but it tends to be more of a consequence than a finality if that Mm. makes sense i like that i like that phrasing it sounds epic yes (laughs) or patented copyright lost Mm -hmm. in rosha well, thank you so much for that span read and uh, for the theory. We have another Cheers. one here from Joseph or Brad. Uh, seems like you might go by both of those. And this one's good. Speaking of epic, I think that this one uh, is pretty neat and we definitely will have to consider this one. But it says, cool. first off, great show. It brings great value to the series. Hearing you both highlight details and theorize is very entertaining. Why, thank you. Thank uh, you. One of the, yes, very kind of you. One of the most interesting aspects of the reread was noting how in the first two paragraphs of the Stormlight Archive, Brandon has intentionally focused on Thunderclass. Calic rounded a rocky stone ridge and stumbled to a stop before the body of a dying Thunderclass. The enormous stone beast lay on its side, rib-like protrusions from its chest broken and cracked. The monstrosity was vaguely skeletal in shape with unnatural unnaturally long limbs that sprouted from granite shoulders. The eyes were deep red spots on the arrowhead face as if he had been created by a fire burning deep within the stone. They faded. Even after all these centuries, seeing a thunderclass up close made Calic shiver. The beast hand was as long as a man was tall. He'd been killed by hands like those before, and it hadn't been pleasant. And so I left to wonder, this is now the span read speaking again, uh, will book five, which focus heavily on the perspective of Zeth and more importantly, the mysterious land of Shinovar be when Brandon expands on these powerful stone creatures. The clues are evident in the prologue when Zeth is clearly so insulted at the Alethi's <laughs> lack of respect for stone. They were on the king's floor, two levels up, surrounded by rock walls, ceiling, and floor. This was uh, that was profane. Stone was not to be trod upon. I you theorize, don't, Seth. This is so good. I love this. <laughs> I I theorize that the reason for the stone shaman and reverence for stone from the Shin culture stems from the ancient understanding of the stone's ability to become sentient beings. The thunder class being a combination of void spread, making these stone creatures into void ringers i fully expect that book five will give us more details on the connection between the shin people and the breaking of the oath pack explaining not only how they came to hold the honor blades but also the knowledge of the knights radiant or maybe the thunderclass are just a bunch of kremlings in a hive mind appreciate your thoughts brad <laughs> <laughs> see brad you were talking in circles and then you finally got there in the last yeah. sentence the kremlings is there more is there more to say mate the kremlings are everything and nothing at the same time. No, that's really cool. That's <laughs> yeah. a really great email. Mm-hmm. And you know what my favorite part is? I was I was reading it as you read it. Um, he's capitalized stone. And uh, that's a real Stormlight fan right there. That's right. I, uh, I, I We've talked about how it's significant stones and rocks seem to be. And yeah. I... I think yes. I think we will have a better idea of the Thunderclass and why uh, Seth sees stones so importantly uh we're gonna get all that shit of our culture and it's gonna be it's gonna be jarring because we're probably gonna get it a lot from the kaladin perspective who is a stranger an outsider just like us yeah and that's how brandon's gonna explore that and he's gonna be able to give us a lot more information because of that 100 percent. i the part that's got me really excited um 
so so I've got this whole thing like the 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 stones or whatever have some sort of spren in them or some there is some sort of memory or sentience there. I don't know about sentience, but there's something going on, some sort of life within the stones. We've seen evidence yeah. of it. Um, so when he says the thunder class being a combination of void spren making these stone creatures into void bringers, like the fact that there's something to work with with the stones to then awaken them, I like that a lot. Like the fact that he's it's like he's not making a um monstrosity out of like rock buds is he or like shard uh what's it called shale bark yeah it's the rocks he's awakening the rocks because like those shale bark tendrils you could see that being like uh awakened you could have some ent yeah-esque tolkien guys but no it's the rocks mate and there's a reason and uh i think we're getting close to it here that's a good theory it's really good. I mean, yeah. at the very least, I think that the Thunderclass have some sort of significance in the past history of the Shinovar people, without a doubt. Yeah, I just, I would love to see, like, when was this? Because in my mind, I was almost kind of um, underwhelmed when I read Oathbringer. I'm like, oh, just a giant stone guy. Is that... Is there's that what we're more. doing? But there's like, a, now that I understand the Cosmere a bit better, it's a lot more interesting because like stuff like that doesn't just happen. You know, it's very well, rare that something is awakened and turned into a, 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 th- a creature. I mean, so, stacking yeah. rocks is significant. I've heard about that, eh? I've heard. <laughs> I'm telling you, yeah, the rocks and the stones on Roshar, there's like huge significance there. And uh, yeah, spread the word, spread the word to your friends. I think it's uh, becoming more evident as we see other Cosmere works, uh, at least yeah, the ones that I've been doing lately. So, uh, yeah, I agree. Very, very cool. Love the theory. Well written email, by the way. Uh, Thank I really you. enjoyed reading through it. Had good pacing. <laughs> yeah, great pacing. You know, better than you, me, mate. Better than me, uh, for damn sure. Um, <laughs> so, we have another span read here. And this is actually kind of an amendment uh, to one that we read about Kaladin taking up the uh, Shard of Honor. And this Ooh. comes from Noah. So, he says, Hello, Kremlin and Captain Stormlight. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Stormlight. I love it. Aye, aye, mate. Uh, I love it. <laughs> Uh, he says, I would like to add it, uh, add or edit onto the theory last week about Kaladin taking up the Shard of Honor. My tinfoil idea is that we hear a lot of comments from Syl about how she and the other Honor Spren are pieces of divinity. What if the Honor Spren, probably the Stormfather as well, have to sacrifice themselves or their individuality to become the Shard of Honor? I think Dalinar would be the one to take on that Shard. I think it would be a great parallel to Terra Odium. I think seeing those two continue their battles onto the bigger Cosmere battlegrounds would be amazing, especially with such differing philosophies. I think the arc of the honor spren going from refusing to help against the fight against Odium to the one sacrificing themselves would also be some something Sanderson could do really well. Anyways, I love the podcast. Love the crazy theories. Keep up the good work. Noah. Noah, thank you so much. Uh, you know, I liked your uh, span read about this prior and I like it even more right now. Cheers, Noah. Yeah, I think that's really like thematically really cool as well. Like you said, the ultimate, he does sacrifices really well. Sanderson does a, he loves a good sacrifice for the greater good. And I could, well, like, yeah, like, like you said, the um, Honest Bren, the Stormfather, all these said people or entities, whatever, it looks like they are, yeah, splinters of the actual shard itself. So if you break a pot, you can pick up the shards and glue it back together, supposedly, right? Yeah, I like the and, idea of losing individuality. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, goodbye, Kaladin. I must go. Oh. You know? And he's oh. like, 
still i'll miss you you know like the chief uh, and cortana scene it's kind of like that. oh <laughs> get me in the feels i'm about to yeah. cry on a tuesday <laughs> see that's another good question i'm about to cry on a tuesday i don't know why that's so great um specifically tuesday out of all the days um but yeah look <laughs> i like that i like that they would have to i like that sacrifice it makes sense in the world and the fact that you said down did he say dalinar could take it up and then it's almost like a dalinar versus taravangian dalinar. story yeah dalinar uh, versus terra odium oh hell yeah that's great dalinar <laughs> but all i keep thinking of is whenever it happens in oathbringer and and Dalinar's having his big moment and he's like, I am unity. He says that with a capital U, may I add. And I always like in my head, I'm like, is that going to be like a new shard? He's going to like Dalinar's mm. not going to take up one shard, but a few shards and be like unity. Oh, I'm taking it to the next level, mate. What if well, he man. takes up all of them? He could take up all three. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. All three. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, because like we've always speculated, what what does unite them mean? Why is it so important? Unite and like, the shards. Yeah, unite all of them. Yeah, or it's <laughs> unite the unite the bits of honor and take up honor again. But then we have this whole Kaladin might be honor theory. So, look, ten thousand percent, someone from another person from this story will take up a shard. I, I, like, I'm like I'm certain of it. Whether it's Dalinar, Kaladin, or I don't know, Lopin, I don't care who. Someone's doing it, and um, I like this theory. I like the whole Spren and the Stormfather re like losing their individuality to make up honor again. I like it. Yeah, uh, for me, the thematic ties are really strong. Um, yes, and very much the kind of sacrifice I think Brandon would do. So I love mm-hmm. it personally, and would not be surprised if this were some somewhere near the truth of what we'll get. Yeah. Oh, I really want to talk about the new secret project, (laughs) (laughs) but I can't, I can't because there is the secret project is great for theories. That's all I'll say. Well, how about this in about a month, maybe a month and a half, we will do an implications episode for secret project Four. maybe we'll do secret, all the secret projects. We'll just take a look at everything we have and mm-hmm. see what we can extrapolate from the future of Cosmere, Roshar stuff. And that'll give people time to go out and read it. Yeah. I think if anything, the priority as a Roshar stormlight fan, it's the latest secret project. If, and if you're going to read any of them. Yeah. Um, unless if you're a poser. Yeah. Honestly, get out of here, mate. <laughs> We're gay coming key. from someone who's read like a hundred pages of all the secret projects and finished none. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we don't talk about videos. that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's it. Go to Bookborn, every Cosmic connection done. She's we, we do <laughs> yeah, love Bookborn here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So great, great span read. No, I loved it. Uh, keep it coming, and maybe make some make some more edits, and somehow fit Kremlings in there, and you might have something there, kid. Yeah, you know, there's a distinct lack of Kremlings in that theory. So, you know, they say if it walks like a Kremlin, talks like a Kremlin, acts like a Kremlin, <laughs> it might be um, a stone. Actually, it, it's, oh it's yeah, I was gonna say if it doesn't do any of those things, it's probably a Kremlin. Um, Everything's a Kremlin. Everything. I'm looking at my coffee table right now and i'm questioning it you know i it's like in javascript everything's an object yeah <laughs> that's that's just for all my that's for all the programmers out there yeah. for everyone else struggling through unit tests this week all right so the next one is <laughs> thomas a says hey christian and jimmy hey thomas 
my span read to you this week is on my hot take that Sander Lanches are often my least favorite parts of the Stormlight Archive. By the way, the, oh. title, the title of this email is Sander Lanches, and then in all capital letters, suck. Um, Thomas. Now this, I mean, this is this is a hot day. I, I appreciate Ooh, it. This is I love bravery. a good hot take. Let's hear you got, it. You, you know, I th- when I think of bravery, I think of, you know, I think of Goku. I think of <laughs> D-Day, Storming the Beaches of Normandy. And then I think about coming out against Sander Lanches. Like, yeah, those I think of all, Thomas. Yeah, like we're up the top on our mountain, right? You know, as I said, we're <laughs> we're, we're talking to the masses, and Thomas has come out and been like, "Guys, Sandalwood just sucked," and everyone's throwing stuff at him. We're like, "No, no, let's hear him out." Yeah, let's hear him. What has he got to say? And and here's what here's what he has to say. He says, "Now, don't get me wrong. I love the finale of the Way of Kings as much as the next person. Okay, but something <laughs> in Wards of Radiance and Oathbringer just falls flat." The overly complicated and why am I reading it like that? (laughs) The overly complicated and convoluted action seems to reduce all the characters to poorly written versions of themselves. An example, Kaladin loses his personality and becomes a stock standard savior. Loving the podcast and feel free to roast me harder than Evie in next week's (laughs) episodes. Tom, Tom, fantastic. Roast me harder than Evie. Fantastic. Oh my god, that's gonna be the best email. So yeah, far. solid best fan read ever. Roast me harder than Evie. That's some sand. Uh, that's some um, Abercrombie humor, right? Yeah, there. much appreciated. Ooh. Honestly, I love yeah. it. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, look. Okay, so there is something to be said for the. I will look. I'll I'll defend words of radiance, but I will say as much as I loved Earthbringer's climax, it is insane. It's all over the place. Um, in terms of the poorly written versions of themselves, Kaladin does kind of turn into an anime protagonist when he's fighting. That's true. But as we read, as we read, um, the way of Kings and this whole, like, he kind of does that even now, just picking up his spear. He's like, I was born to do this. Why is anyone shocked? I'm Kaladin Stormblast. And I'm just a bit like, is there some weird mumbo jumbo cosmere stuff happening here as opposed to just anime protagonist do you get that oh yeah i mean we've talked about yeah. it like we would hope that i kind of hope there is something behind it i hope that there's some yeah. more significance to it because uh it, without it i would i mean i don't know if i'd go as far as old tom over here uh to, to light a fire <laughs> but i would definitely say that there are pieces of kaladin's arc at times uh that i don't like love mm, like because for me right if if I'm not in a stormlight zone, I remember I wasn't reading. I was, uh, I was reading something else. I forgot what, but my dad was listening to stormlight cause I forced him into it. And he was in the climax of Oathbringer and like, everyone's having these one liners and mm-hmm. all this stuff. I'm like this, I'm not driving with it right now. But when I read it, when I'm in that world, it, it works so well for me. So it's all about the context, right? Like yeah. if you, like if you showed a random person a scene from One Piece, they'd be like, "What is this absolute buffoon?" Oh, that was me. Uh, I remember yeah. you being like, "Just watch this," and I was like, "Nah, son, like this sucks." <laughs> yeah. And uh, it turns out now I, I, I got a One Piece tank top. So yeah, <laughs> it tells, you, it tells you how far I've come. Yeah, um, like Seth and Kaladin talk a lot in the air while fighting. Uh, yes, the monologuing is is great and it's vast. Here's the thing. There are different levels of which people are willing to uh, suspend their disbelief. And for certain people, uh, their bridge might be too far for somebody. And that will vary from readers. What I would say is the overwhelming majority that seems to read these books, uh, you know, don't feel that way. 
But mm-hmm. I like hearing dissenting opinions. I like hearing the people on the other side of the equation at times. Uh, and for them that, that they're telling their, uh, their truth of what they experienced in the story. So, uh, yeah, I don't necessarily agree with you, Tom, but I respect. <laughs> yeah. I respect the hell out of that, Tom. Yeah. And, um, look for me, I, I somewhat relate because as I read these secret projects, the pacing is so quick, so damn quick. And the characterization suffers because of that. And jumping from like the way of Kings part two to a new secret project where it's like blistering pace action, next chapter, mm-hmm. next chapter. I enjoy it less than just the slower character driven stuff. Yeah. So um, yeah. in that sense, I agree. Yeah. I, uh, I'm definitely a slow methodical, you know, slow burn kind of person. And I do think the standard lanches do a lot to pay those things off. Uh, now Oathbringer, I've always been willing to hear criticisms for because it's such an oddly structured book. Mm. And I do think that there is a significant shift away from some of the more like culture oriented things with the Alethi that I found to be really, really interesting. And mm. that's because we're introducing, uh, more about the Parshendi and then we're getting a lot more stuff with Odium and, and everything, uh, in between. A lot of right? spren, a lot of spren shades, Ma. Yes. In Earthbringer. Yeah. Yeah. There was things with the Alethi I wasn't ready to move on from. Um, Mm. Specifically, I mean, the classism stuff. I I actually thought that all that stuff was fantastic uh, in the first two books. And then by the end of book three, I think it kind of falls to the wayside. Now, there is progress with it, and there are still things going on with it, but it just it kind of takes a little bit of a backseat because there's other stuff that Brandon wants to focus on. And that's that's totally fine. Um, So I, I, I hear the uh the the complaints about oathbringer i i do i still love it i think when i finished it i said it was my favorite stormlight book i am very curious to see if that remains the truth because i reckon it might be the dalinar stuff the dalinar stuff's great i don't know on a reread how much i'm going to care about the flashbacks to be honest um words of radiance stands alone for me as like Oh, yeah, like, it's a golden I standard. I love it. And, yeah. uh, you know, in retrospect, I've been saying Words of Radiance is my favorite. But on my first reread, when I finished it with recency bias, I did say Oathbringer. So I got mm. to push back. I think Words of Radiance, uh, I just adore that Sander Lanch. I, I love it. Work. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. There's just so many moments in that book. Um, it's just, it's definitely the book that has blown my mind the most. Um, I mean, after a storm of swords. Yeah, that's that's my goat. That's my yeah, goat. That's that's untouchable. But alas, we continue. Yes. So, Tom, thank you, and uh, thanks thanks for being so brave. I mean, my goodness, throw a grenade into uh, the lost. Roast me harder than Evie. I'll never I stop think we handled it quite well. <laughs> yeah, I dove on it. Um, but we, we have another one now. This is a bit of a longer one, but folks, I think this is some really good stuff, and it has to do with Hoyd. So, buckle up your. Uh, your seatbelts for this chal ride that we're about to go on here. Uh, and this is from Alex L. And he says, post this theory on the YouTube videos a couple of times, and I just want your thoughts on this. My theory rant is that Hoyd will heavily betray or lead to the death of Dalinar, a major character um, or Roshar in book five. So he's saying Dalinar, major character or Roshar in book mm. five. I say lead to death because, to my knowledge, he cannot kill due to reasons. If you know, you know. I don't know, to be honest. Uh, um, it's because, oh, I, th- I think this is a, ooh, I don't know if this is a Stormlight spoiler or a Cosmic spoiler. I know this. I just don't know how I know this. I don't know if we <laughs> find out in Stormlight. He held the Dawn Shard and the Dawn Shard doesn't let him hurt or kill anything. And he yeah. can't eat meat. Yeah, that's it. 
That's a shame. Cheeseburgers are fantastic. Uh, (laughs) Words of Radiance, how he tells Dalinar, one, not to trust him. Two, his goals are not his goals. And three, he will watch the world burn for his goals to succeed. With tears, yes. Hmm. Why would Sanderson say this uh, say this super Cosmere wide quote for him not to follow through. Hoyt is the main character of the Cosmere full of mystery in Roshar. He has his tendrils. Sorry, Christian. <laughs> and every storyline <laughs> to an extent, how sick of a twist would it be for Hoyt was the one to betray Roshar in book five? How brutal would it be to see Dalinar die because of Hoyt? And how epic would it be to finally see Hoyt make a real strategic move and finally learn more about his goal uh, than in Stormlight five uh, Brando's most anticipated book thus far. I'm loving Here's- it. Yeah, I'm 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 on the ride right now. I gotta really think about this, but there's more. He said, here's the Dalinar death scenario I see. He is looking into the future and he says, one, Dalinar wins the contest of champions, but really loses without knowing. Uh Terra uh Terra Odium is how I'm gonna say it. Uh said that there is a way to win in rhythm of war. Two, Hoyd is forced to kill him, break Roshar somehow to stop Odium. Far <laughs> off, but we can't forget Hoyd is the most influential, powerful wildcard in the Cosmere. Overall prediction for the ending of Stormlight 5 is Roshar loses, Hoyd wins. Hoyd epilogue will be a cliffhanger for the ages. <laughs> I, I will say one drawback to this series is that Hoyd would steal some of the show from Stormlight Archive characters that have been built up in the journey has been amazing. But then again, when did our beloved wit not make everything about himself? Love the show. Don't need to mention the theory on the show, but would love your brief thoughts on this uh, Hoyd anti-hero theory. Well, it is on the show, Alex, and I think this is really <laughs> compelling theory. Mm. I, I think that there's a chance that Hoyd, I mean, not a chance, uh, Hoyd is going to play a major role in five, I think, he will have a major role in Roshar's future. I think he might even have a hand in Dalinar's demise or uprising, but I don't know if he'll be the straight up anti-hero. Yeah. Well, look, in regards to the point about stealing the show from Stormlight characters, I think it's fair to say that Hoid slash Wit by the end of Rhythm of War is a Stormlight character, especially mm. with his involvement in, with Yasna. We got, we got a lot of scenes with him in our rhythm of war. And I think it's going to get even more prominent in book five. Yeah. Um, I think, cause he's the, I believe this is the only like mainline series where Hoyt is kind of established as a character of, of wit as opposed to a Mr. Cameo kind of guy. I, you know? I haven't read everything, but I think that's true. So I'll just, yeah. I'll go sign for you here. Yeah. So I, yeah, I always, that always struck me when that quote, whenever we read it in the way of Kings, where Hoyd says not to trust him, his goals are his own goals and he'll watch the world burn for his goals to succeed with tears, but he will still do it. I think that's very t- telling for Hoyd. I think he he's always about that greater goal, whatever his goal is. Um, and we've seen mess p- him mess people over in certain instances to, f- to um, make that happen. And if your goals don't align with his, I don't think he will hesitate. Because, like, his scale of understanding is so vast. Much, yeah, so vast, right? So Dalinar's issues are, you know, like a blip in Hoyt's existence of thousands of years, right? So if he has to screw over this guy to in order to save the whole cosmic, then he will. Whether it happens in the next book will be interesting. I think, 
I, I really like this thematically. I just don't know, like you said, the extent of which this would, would, would occur, like how much would Hoy have play a hand in the demise of Rosha or the changing of Rosha? Cause I suspect it will change massively by the end of the next book. Like there's going to be end of the world-esque things happening, but how much would Hoyd have to do with it? I think he'll be mad about Odium <laughs> messing with his memories. That's for certain. Yeah. So I think, I think it's likely that Hoyd's goals are going to strike us as against the best interest of our protagonist at some point in the Stormlight Archive. Mm -hmm. And it's going to make us feel very conflicted about Hoyd at some point. And I think we'll have another, maybe a possibly even uh, Cosmere work outside of the Stormlight Archive that would then justify those actions. Mm. I don't know what those are. I don't know when it would happen. I do think book five is kind of the right time to do it. Especially if Brandon wants people to read things outside of the Stormlight Archive, because yeah. <laughs> you have Hoy do something very controversial that has maybe a um, a hand or an indirect hand in Roshar falling or Dalinar dying or whatever. Uh, and you kind of hint to the fact that Hoyt had to do it for a reason. And then in this five-year gap where we're not going to have any Stormlight books, he ends up releasing some other series, like a miss whatever it might be. And there's justification for that in those books. Those books will sell better. So I think it gives incentive to read outside of Stormlight Archive. But mm. I, I go back to, to Brandon saying that he thinks the Stormlight Archive will always be like, I don't want to say Cosmere like as agnostic because that's clearly not it. But he said you can enjoy it by itself. And I think Hoyd <laughs> causing the downfall of Roshar or killing Dalinar is pretty significant like Cosmere <laughs> is necessary. At yeah, that I point, see. Right. So I, yeah. I don't know. Mm. I just I think, he, yeah, he can say that, but I don't think that will be the case. I just I can't imagine so. the last of my books being coherent <laughs> coherent without like or like without significant portions being a bit of a like you have like at that point you have 20 years to have if you're a stormlight oh. fan you know you're, you're gonna read other cosmic works I, I, it's almost guaranteed i can't imagine reading stormlight and being like i am satisfied i don't crave more between waiting well the there are people who, who just simply don't know about it i have a co-worker he actually uh he quit stormlight whenever yasna wasn't dead the fake out death oh yeah it's not technically a fake out death but it seems like a fake out death he literally <laughs> yeah. just stopped and i was like oh well you know you should read him and then you can read all this other stuff he's like he has other books and i was like yeah like he had no idea about wow him. i and just felt like if you're this into it a lot of people pick it up at the airport bro i think i i think the, the majority, airport crowd. i think the majority of them uh probably don't read outside dang well look i think the line i agree with this the hoid epilogue for book five will be a cliffhanger for the ages i think that is without a doubt gonna be the case like, yeah well, there's pretty it's good a, uh, it's a five-year rhythm of war right like yeah yeah right because he's always the epilogue which is another thing like he is so prominent in stormlight i don't think it's far-fetched to say he could do something big i just don't think it'll be that big but hmm. hey i like it I like it. I'm just, my brain's telling me like, yes, but not to that extent. Like I could see him uh, lining up the dominoes and kind of walking away. Sort of I, I kind of like the idea. Well, maybe I don't like the idea, but I could see the idea of like having to basically like nuke Roshar to keep Odium contained, you know, something like that possibly. 
But I think it's more just for me, what I could expect from this kind of an anti-hero arc is just like Hoyd's plans not aligning and seeming to be in in conflict with the protagonist from Roshar. So, yeah, I agree with you. It's going to happen for sure. We're going to be conflicted about Hoyd at some point in the Cosmere. Yeah. Yeah, it's true because he's been very much like a he's on our side kind of kind of vibe lately. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I don't know what else to say about that one. I think that's uh, I think Hoyt is just a, such a wild card. And I think Sanderson has a very hard task balancing how to use him in this series. Yeah. And there's also the fact that, like, you know, Hoyt is the narrator of some of these stories. And like, wouldn't it be interesting to then reread the Cosmere at the end of it all and realize that Hoyt was maybe uh, unreliable at some points, maybe making <laughs> himself sound better than he should have? Possibly. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting watching him become more of a voice and less of a cameo mm-hmm. um, because he's good in small doses. I, I think it's a challenge to, uh, you're kind of selling this whole world on the, on the back of this guy. Um, mm-hmm. So you gotta, you gotta do it right. And I, you know, Dal and I can handle wit for about five minutes. Um, <laughs> I can handle about know, 300 pages. Yeah. Yeah. 300 pages and I'm out. <laughs> for sure. Um, I think, I think we have time for one more. What do you think? Yeah, let's, let's squeeze in one more. Why not? Okay. I like this one because it's, it's relating to the theory from last week's episode with Kaladin, where we were questioning why he apologized to the spear that he threw on the ground. Oh, uh, yeah. So Tristan says, hello, Kremlings. Tristan here, big fan of the podcast. I had some thoughts about why Kaladin apologizes to the spear he drops after his kata. Kaladin stood up straight and dropped the spear into the pile of weapons. Sorry. He whispered to it though he didn't know why. I believe it might go back to his childhood. Chapter 37, page 670. Tien is talking about his rock to his mother, Hezna. Hezna, joking, says, saying the rock is magical. By the way, rock being magical, like we said, I talked about earlier. Interesting. Uh, but Tien says, Ord has a spren. Do spren live in rocks? Hasina says, spren live in everything. Kaladin not agreeing at first says they can't live in everything uh, along with talks of uh, dung. So looking at this, I feel by the end of this discussion, Kaladin is on the fence of Spren living in everything, but maybe he starts to believe more about what his mother said about the Spren when he has his very own interesting Spren. So in short, I think Kaladin apologizes to the spear, but can't understand why, because the memory of his mother and brother discussing Spren being in all things so essentially, I believe he's just apologizing to the spren he tossed on the floor. Keep them safe, hands covered. And we always do, Tristan. <laughs> but I, I think that this is this is an interesting thing. It's almost like Kaladin reconciling a disagreement that he had with his mother. And it, he only was able to then agree with it by actual application and demonstration, right? Of this spren being with him. Sorry, I'm just I, I I got I got sidetracked and I'm pulled up the chapter and I'm just oh I'm just looking for something. There's just well, so much. We're gonna go mad on this chapter. I mean, also right by the way, uh, joking saying the rock is magical is uh yeah. quite thing there. <laughs> yeah, like maybe it's magical. Yeah, yeah, Sanderson, we see you. Yeah, you're not we, slipping we that one saying. past us. Yeah, I get you, boy. <laughs> um, <laughs> look. Sorry, can you read? Sorry, I, t- I was totally engrossed. Um, in no, the you're fine. There. What was your question? Sorry. No, so I mean, essentially, I think what, what we're trying to say here is that Kaladin maybe 
is reconciling the disagreement he had with his mom because right. he's now seen a demonstration of a spren being around and having a personality and being something significant. And maybe not even consciously, he's accepting the fact that spren might be in everything. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't recall this conversation with his mother until later, possibly. But like, it's like it's him. Like a subconscious thing. Yes. Yes. Ooh, I like that. It makes, I mean, that makes perfect sense. But uh, wouldn't it be so much more exciting if he was uh, reincarnated? with this knowledge of the spren it's just like okay yes i like like i love that it makes so much sense but the fact that it's a spear felt a little more telling to me that it was his weapon you know because like because like that's where the spren form in every bond they form as like a, your weapon or your shield or your armor so it's not like he's saying sorry to like the rock he he nudged or the rock bud he squished on his bridge run he's saying it to his spear that's why i i mm. whilst this theory makes sense and it's likely i just still think that the spear sends me in that direction of like it's to do with the whole radiant thing as opposed and kaladin to being significant as well right yeah that's where i'm leaning with it Although this, I would be totally happy if this was the case where it's just like, it's a hark back to that. It's the Sprenner in everything. Sort of I think thing. both things can also be correct, actually. Yeah. Um, I think it can have dual meanings here. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to throw in, Tristan, thank you so much for the spanner. I'm going to throw thank in you. Juan as well, because he actually adds okay. on to this without knowing oh. that he did. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, he says uh, it's a longtime listener, first time caller. He crossed out caller and put writer, which is <laughs> <clears throat> said, I wanted to comment on the scene with Kaladin in the spear. Personally, I don't think there is a traditional chosen uh, one or reincarnation trope at play. I do think Kaladin is the closest living person to the ideal of honor in Roshar, probably even since he was a child. That is the reason why Syl was drawn to him and why he is called son of Tanavas by Stormfather, a title that nobody else has. Furthermore, I believe that his deep spiritual connection with Syl is making him understand things on a subconscious level, like the fact that weapons can have personalities or that he should reject shard blades. We actually see versions of both things with the Colin brothers in future books as well. Adolin has a tradition of talking to his shard blades before every battle, signaling the beginning of his bond with Maya, the dead Spren. With Renarin, we see exactly the opposite. Since he is becoming a radiant by bonding with Gliss, he feels anguish at the dead spread uh, spren <laughs> inside shard blades and makes him unable to touch them. Anyways, maybe all this is true and Kaladin is still some sort of chosen one. Could be exciting either way. Thanks for making the podcast. It is awesome to hear your excitement for the series every week. Just one question. Have you taken the official radiant quiz? I'm curious to see which night order you guys would belong. Greetings from Spain, Juan. So Juan, thank you first and foremost. Cheers, have, thank you. I've never done the official radiant quiz. Have you? Yes, I have years ago. Um, right, well, I'm on an old stream, which is no longer up. I was an edge dancer. I might then. have to do it. Do it, I'm, man. You would be an edge dancer. <laughs> All right. About this email. I mean, this span read. Sorry. What's an email? Not never heard of him. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> I like it because it's, it's like these two, past two emails are like the two sides of my brain arguing with each other. Like, is he a chosen one? Is he just this one? at least leans a bit more into the whole magical thing, which I quite enjoy. His deep con spiritual connection with Syl is making him understand things on a subconscious level. Hmm, is that it though? Is it like his connection with, maybe, maybe, like I think there is more to that bond with a spren that allows you to see things. I find it interesting that the most interesting part to me is that Adolin talking with his shard blade 
um, I'd like to read those segments again to see what we can make of those. Yeah, I think they're going to be very telling as as well as just Renarin's just odd behavior all the time. I think that that yeah. could also be a guide. I think we can clue into Renarin a lot more now. I remember just being like, oh, Renarin's weird. <laughs> Never really <laughs> like trying to figure it out. It was always, I just wanted to find out like what happened to Kaladin. Whenever yeah, I, I just want to know what's going on with Alpha Sigma Dalinar, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, like is he how those glutes progressing sort of thing. that's right that's right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so it's it's going to be fun to clue into that stuff i think the dead the quote-unquote dead eye spread are going to be a huge uh book five thing like mm-hmm. that whole trial section in rhythm of war was big and just the fact that when spren died it's not really death um the screams and all this this all this stuff is is leading to something bigger yeah, but what I'm most happy about is we're all talking about this seemingly unspoken about scene. That's what's making me happy. Like this scene about him picking up the spear and saying sorry to it, I haven't really noticed this in the forums and stuff. So it's fun that we're picking up on stuff. That's the best part. Oh, definitely. And, you know, I, I think I'm still maybe at odds here with Juan span read because i i do still think that there's something significant about Kaladin. i don't think he just gets these titles from being like kind of determined yeah. um but yeah it's like i'm like, watching everyone and saying how honorable oh Kaladin's number one. Oh wait he lied to his dad now he's number two let's go to like i don't know faladin in the next village you know there's something more there's something more to this guy yeah it's um it's tough because I don't have any proof. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, same. same. It's like, just trust us, guys. I, we need to get to the son of Tanavast, him uh, getting strung up in the storm. That's what we need. That's I believe that's in the next part. So we're almost there. And we're going to analyze the absolute crap out of that scene. Because like he flies over Roshar as well with the Stormfather. And it's like, where does he fly? Why? Mm-hmm. What does he say in that conversation? I think that's going to be one of the most dense chapters. Yeah. Basically, uh, we need more to work with. I think. Yeah, we, we do. And this is uh, going to lead me into the actual final span read. I promise this is the final. Oh, one. wow. It's so another good. One. It, it. Link, dude, it, it literally links. So it's from okay. Lucilla or Lucilia. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. I'm going to say Lucilla because that's how it looks like it's, it's pronounced. Yeah. Forgive me if I'm wrong. Um, she says, hi, guys. I just finished listening to your latest episode in which you discussed the possibility of Kaladin having some memories from a previous life or being resurrected. That immediately took me back to Warbreaker in which the gods are returned people who die in some honorable way. Even though they are not supposed to know who they were in a previous life, Light Song does have flashbacks and feels naturally good at some activities in his new life related uh and related to them in a prior life. Thanks for the fun podcast. It's so cool to have these episodes of Relive the Way of Kings while at work. Best wishes, Lucilla. Thank you so much for this. Thank you. And I'm just saying, if there's any book that I would want things to tie into, it's Warbreaker, because I love so much about Warbreaker's world building. Mm -hmm. I don't hate this. I mean, this is certainly, it's a jump, right? We're literally jumping to another (laughs) novel to start talking about this stuff, but... I think that's where we're going. And yeah, dude, I'm here for it. Let's let's go right into it. Let's let's fully entertain this theory. I'm okay. ready. So, in okay. which gods are returned people who died in some honorable, like 
is Kaladin going to become like a god on the planet in Warbreaker? Like, oh, yeah, see, that's what I want. I want to go, let's jump all the way. Okay. What if in Warbreaker 2 it features Kaladin after Stormlight 5? Oh my god. Well, he's always like, hasn't he always left Warbreak? Warbreaker 2 is the working title is Nightblood, interestingly. Oh, yeah. And Nightblood is currently in Stormlight, is it not? So, like, what's could that he about? End up somewhere else? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And where is it now? With Seth. Who's Seth with? Kaladin. Oof. What if? All right, hear me mm. out here. This, I'm about to. I'm about to go off, and it probably doesn't make any sense. So forgive me, all the people who actually know what they're talking about. Those are the best theories. What if Dalinar unites them at the end of Book Five, okay. but he starts to lose himself to Odium, Ooh. and Kaladin has to slay him with Nightblood. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And Kaladin dies in the process, and somehow ends up on the Warbreaker planet with Nightblood for Warbreaker <laughs> Two. I don't know. I'm, I'm going. <laughs> I'm you know what I like? Car. I like you talking about Dalinar uniting the shards, but the 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 three distinct personalities are like at odds with each other, kind of like Shalan. I kind I like that. All right, I like all right. I like that Kaladin because we have this thing about like Dalinar and Kaladin are the, are the highest likelihood of getting the shards. Yeah, but what if like Dalinar has it and then Kaladin has to get it off him or something? What if it's like shard hot potato sort of thing? Oh. Or Dalinar thinks he can handle it and he can't. Yeah. Oh. (laughs) Here we go. What if Dalinar has to mercy kill Dalinar? Yeah, see, that's what I'm all about. (laughs) And he's like, thanks for taking me in to Bridge 4. He's lost Sil because Sil's gone up. To form honor. Yeah, and now he's losing Daddy Dalinar. Oh, my God. Oh, here we go. Oh, that's some. And then Adolin's like, dude, you killed my dad. And he's like, no, he's no longer your dad. He's no longer your dad. Here's a new jacket. And he's like, oh, yeah. sick. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, he's, is, that, is that new embossing? Ooh. Renarin's like, I have a Rubik's Cube. And everyone's like, okay, Renarin. That's <laughs> fine. Dude. Oh, Renarin. And then like the, the theme song plays. <laughs> and then straight up sitcom Stormlight. <laughs> Everyone pats, <laughs> pats him on the back. Oh, Renarin again. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So Kaladin's gonna kill uh, Dalinar <laughs> after he becomes Odium and unites them. And um, uh, wow, we and, took we really went with that theory. Yeah, I, I don't think that's the theory. Only <laughs> that's really where the span read was going, dude. Why I'm so excited is that, of course, like there is full on evidence that this can happen in the cosmere what the it, heck it can the warbreaker reread needs to happen now i would love to reread warbreaker like no lie i i actually really yeah. like it oh my dude kaladin's yeah that has got me way more jazzed about my reincarnation chosen one theory pretty I'm much confirmed at this point as you can tell I'm very stubborn with my theories. It's like every email is like, hey, maybe maybe it could work like this. I'm like, that's nice, but no. He's reincarnated, surely. Look at all my lack of evidence. And then me, me, I take it and go way one step or 10 steps too far. Yeah, you're like, Dalinar is a hamburger or something. I don't know. How does Nightblood get to Warbreaker 2? Does, here's the problem. Does Warbreaker 2 happen before or afterwards? Of yeah, it's the timeline, right? Because, like, why the hell are people yeah. from Warbreaker on Stormlight? That's I'm right. inclined to think that it's the middle. It's, it's a, the, yeah. the bridge. It's right. the bridge to get them there. So I don't know if that really 
I don't work. know, dude. Because like Zahel or Vasha, however you want to call him, is in you know Rhythm of War. He's also in uh, Words Radiance. But remember, in Rhythm of War, he's like fighting Kaladin. They have a duel, and he's using the Warbreaker magic. He he awakens his like rug or whatever. He's like oh. a rope, and they have this fight. But then he's never in the book again. So I'm like, why did you put him in there? Was it because just because he cool knew Kaladin from the Warbreaker world when he used to be a god on the Warbreaker <sighs> world? Oh my god, yeah, Kaladin's from the Warbreaker planet Nalthus, and he was reincarnated on Roshar somehow through uh, Cosmia Mumba Jumbo. Oh my god! And he's and he's actually the son of Tanavas, who was also <laughs> on that planet. Let's <laughs> let's go, <laughs> guys. This is the quality content. Hey. This is, I think, every span read episode past an hour. Like, the gloves the, come off. Gloves come off. The safe hands are not covered. No, I'll, I'll admit it. Jimmy took his he took his glove off. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. The gloves off. I'm just doing that and just smudging oil stains on my leather bound way of kings right now. Just <laughs> get. Oh, <laughs> uh, is that is that really the last span read, mate? Have we finally? That, well, no, we didn't we catch up. We have plenty more, but I think it's yeah. a good place to stop. I think because uh, yeah. there's, there's some other ones in there that are really long, um, yeah. that are super well thought out. Uh, I think some of those might fill a half an episode, possibly. Okay. So <laughs> we have plenty more span reads from you all. And like I said, we might do another span read episode at some point. Uh, we'll probably sprinkle them in when they make sense, especially if what we're reading has to do with it. Uh, so yeah. continue to send them in, please. And we love hearing your thoughts about like where we are in the book and where we're about to go. So if you have any comments on like, for instance, the interludes that we're about to read, we'd love to hear your theories about. Yeah, absolutely. This is fun, man. It feels, um, it's a nice break of the reread. It's cool to get into, uh, the more current discourse about the, um, series. Definitely. And I think we should make these, let us know if you want this to be like a mainstay of lost in Rochelle, the span read episodes. I think it would be fun to sprinkle them in. Yeah, after every part, maybe we can just do a span read and kind of reflect on the on part two. I had planned on maybe doing a little bit of a post mortem on part two, but I think uh, we've kind of covered it. I mean, the big yeah, thing out of these it, interludes. Yeah. I really want to talk about them. Yeah, so and we're going to do that next episode. So that'll be yep. a lot of fun. We'll look for your span reads at lostinroshardgmail.com. And again, if you send them in and we haven't done them yet, uh, we'll eventually get to them um, in yep. there some at some point. The response has been great, guys. Thank you so much. And thank you, as always, for accompanying us on this episode of Lost in Rosha. Remember, the most important chapter a man can read is the next one. We'll see you next week to dive into the second set of interludes and possibly some more span reads from you guys. Yes, and if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, be sure to leave us a review on whichever platform you listen on. It helps the podcast out tremendously. Uh, when you drop a review on something like iTunes, it, it really does go very far uh, in their algorithm. And if you have feedback, questions, or theories, span read us at lostinroshar.gmail.com. We'll see you next time on Lost in Roshar. And remember to keep that safe hand covered.